Oh my gosh, was today a great show? Today was filled with happiness, sunshine, and unicorns. Um, let me tell you, today we started with the most in-tune president I've ever seen. Mm. Joe Biden has his fingers on the pulse. Man, oh, the people. He really is. Mm. We start with that, and it goes downhill <laughs> to a crazy train the entire episode. Here's the podcast. You're not going to say it for Don't Forget. Get the- you said here's the podcast. That's, that's the sign that we go to the podcast. That's how that works. I could tell people about the audiobook that's available now. It's available now. I mean, you could go to Audible and get it. It's, it's up there now. I mean, but we don't forget have time it, to do it, that because the, we already said here's the forget podcast. It. I know. Forget it. Uh, when you think of Joe Biden, what is the first thing that just leaps to your mind? Well, Lunch Bucket Joe. Lunch Bucket Joe, which, you know, everybody in the press has called him that for middle for class you. Joe. Middle class Joe. Why would you call him middle class Joe? Because everyone calls him middle class Joe. <laughs> he tries to say, come on, stop. But yeah, they just keep doing it. He, he doesn't necessarily right. want that nickname, but he'll admit it if he has to. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When people went to the polls, now you're going to have to do some speculation. OK, uh, but when people went to the polls. Uh, and they they actually voted. Mm-hmm. What do you think when they said, "I'm for lunch bucket Joe"? Right. What do you suppose they were thinking and hoping would happen? Um. <laughs> well, I was. Th- mm. They would probably think, you know, th- there's this guy who was president, he Orange was, Man Bad. He was tweeting all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you remember him? I do. And he was he was think about him f- often. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting he's getting in fights with people all the yeah. time. And we, what we want here, Glenn, is a return to normalcy. A return mm-hmm. to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Something that is, you know, very American. Something that we we all recognize as, oh, well, that's that's not unusual. Right. Something right. to go back to the way mm-hmm. we all understand this country should be. Oh, my gosh. And thank goodness mm-hmm. we have him. Uh, he's got into office. And yesterday, uh, the Biden administration uh, talked about how they are going to uh, they're going to start handing out crack pipes to drug addicts um, in underserved communities. That hmm? that's not exactly the return to normalcy. I was well, thinking the Department of, of Health and Human Services uh, fiscal year 2022 uh, has a harm reduction program and uh, they're going to the the crack pipe uh, plan is um, well, it's to, it's it's a kit that will provide safer pipes to drug addicts when they when they smoke crack cocaine or crystal meth S- safer mm-hmm. pipes, safer pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, you know, a lot of times they'll use glass pipes. And sometimes they can crack and then they'll lead to an infection in the crack user. No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. So um, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The grant. Not everybody gets this. Okay. Good. Not everybody gets this. Um, this is where it really centers right into the American people. You know what I mean? Sure. Any president you could see saying, hey, free, free 
crack pipes. You know what I mean? Very common. That's the normal. <laughs> That's we've what been talking about every. That was the unspoken thing. Yeah, that George all Washington America, did yeah. this. If you every, don't know, George right. Washington, when, when they were going across mm-hmm. the Delaware, yeah. they were smoking crack. But this is where it gets even more uniting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, the grant money will be prioritized for selection if they promise to use the funds in underserved communities. So you'll get the free crack pipes if you're serving a large African-American or LGBTQ plus population. Are are they Mm -hmm. saying that black people smoke crack? No, I don't think they're saying that. That seems to be what they're saying. No, they they got to be saying something else. They're prioritizing Mm -hmm. delivery to African-Americans of crack pipes. Uh Okay, uh that's uh that's the. uh, Yeah. That's, that's the, the post racial presidency <laughs> yeah. we all expected. If that's not a Democrat policy from oh the 1950s God. and 60s or from the 1860s, I don't know what is. Mm. That is unbelievable and wow. right in line with what I think America was thinking. Because that, is, when you say lunch bucket, Joe, you think of the guy you're Man at. You're the, on the you're on the construction site. Right. It's time for lunch. You're sitting on you know. Uh, on the on the side of the building, yeah, uh, you know, on the ground in your mm. in your work boots, uh-huh. lunch bucket Joe comes over. He's a normal guy, been working yeah. normal, real hard jobs his yeah. whole life, yeah. and he's just gonna have a normal conversation about what's bugging him. Yeah, you might see him at the end of the bar, maybe having yeah. a beer after work. That's and, right. And here's what here's what's getting at him today. Yeah, and he'll he'll express the he's same like, sort I of want concerns crack you have. Pipes that are safe <laughs> for African Americans and gay people. That's what I'm looking for. Now, you might actually see that one at the end of the bar, but no, that's not what we're looking for out of a president of the United States. Yeah, it's so, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Seattle uh, and San Francisco had the, you know, crack pipe thing. It didn't work out so well. No. Yeah. And so they're getting rid of it. But Joe knows that's an injustice. Um, so we've got we've got that one. Uh, by the way, Justice yeah. Department, they've already been thwarted once. Um, the the, the Court said, now you can't do this. But they're thinking about doing it anyway. Um, you know, crack pipes are one thing. But what about those who inject heroin? Okay. Mm. Um, the government is now. Um, I'm not making this up. They are now um, putting, considering putting vending machines in. Mm. Where if you needed a clean needle, you could get one. A needle vending machine. A ne- <laughs> that is what the American people I were mean, demanding. I mean, doesn't it make you just feel so American? You're like, we are on the right track. We are going to restore ourselves to the great nation that we really are. What's been holding us back? Those damn glass crack pipes. In the inner cities, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the people in the suburbs, they can get their own damn wooden or metal crack pot, you know, because they're, they're a dime a dozen out in the suburbs. Uh, but uh, this has been an underserved community and crack pipes. That's true. And, and I will say, what, you know, he did promise to shut down the virus. And uh, as we know, when has a virus ever spread through intravenous drug use? Yes. That's never been an <laughs> never, issue. Never been an issue. Never, never, never. never. Uh, by the way, speaking of shutting things down, 
Lunch Bucket Joe mm. strikes twice. Now, lightning doesn't usually strike twice, yeah. you know, in the same place. But yesterday at the White House, it struck more than two times, actually. Mm. Uh, but the second time it, they made an announcement yesterday. And who hasn't been calling for this? Can we please, for the love of Pete, release the 20th hijacker? <laughs> From 9-11. Can we please oh, yeah. just release him? Do you remember those big protests before oh, the 2020 yeah. well, election? Well, this is the truckers. The truckers here in America. Oh, okay. I don't know about those crazy Nazis up in Canada, <laughs> but the truckers here, I'm sure they're like, we want the 20th hijacker released. And Gitmo shut down. Huge so, priority for the American people. Right oh, yeah, now. yeah. Huge yeah. priority. Oh, people. There are some people that are like, oh, my money situation is a little tight. Yeah. But what about the 20th hijacker? Yeah. OK. What about him? And what happens if that 20th hijacker can't get a crack pipe for free or a needle out of a vending machine? It's horrid. It's this is a horror. Sh- this nation mm. is a horror show. My gosh. And this is the sort of stuff Lunch Bucket Joe can relate to the people with. Yes. You know, what do you guys need? What do you guys want? Come on, man. Well, they wanted, you know, sure, we all wanted the 20th hijacker released. Right. And and the crack pipe and the needle thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think a priority, and he got it right, because day before yesterday, you know, he released uh, $25 billion of uh, frozen assets to Iran. And that was my priority. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of Democrats, you know, I'm a little on the edge on this. I think a lot of Democrats would agree with me. Um, You know, not probably a lot of conservatives, Uh, you know, but hey, can we just please give the Ayatollah and Hezbollah another twenty five billion dollars? What we landed in the middle of the night on that tarmac. That That was not enough. And it was that sweet spot right between 26 and 24 billion that we were all talking about. Yeah. The conservatives were saying, no, only 24 billion. Yeah. The liberals were saying, no, 26 and million. He and he found a way to compromise. Way. Yeah. Wow. That's brilliant. Everyone yeah. was demanding billions go yeah. there. It was yeah. just a matter of how many billions. So a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm just talking about the whiners. Uh, what are we going to do about the economy? Oh, geez. Yesterday, the White House came out with yet another new plan. Oh, The problem with the economy is that, well, the unions aren't very strong. And so they Hmm. announced a goal yesterday of unionizing 50% of America. Just the 50%? That's all they want? Yeah, we're at 14%, so it's not a big deal. Four, so we're at fourteen percent, so, but tripling it would still leave it eight percent short. Yeah, yes, it would. Okay, yes, it would. They want to triple it. Yeah, and then yeah. add another half. Yeah, and then a little more. Well, it's gone down. Actually, I was wrong. It's not twelve percent. Uh, it's gone down. Oh, no. uh, it was a whopping thirty percent at the height of the unions in the nineteen fifties. Okay, thirty <laughs> percent. So they went down to ten point three. So they want five times as many people in the unions as percentage yeah. of the population. Yeah. That shouldn't. Well, I they know, want going to take a couple weeks. Look, they want seventy-one million people. Just the, just seventy-one just million 71 people. Million. What, I mean, that's not easy. seventy-five million. No, seventy-one million. For that membership is fourteen million today. So they want seventy-one million, um, and that is half 
of the workforce. So I think this is, I mean, that's what I was looking for. And why are they doing it, you ask? Well, I'll tell you why. Whether it's fighting COVID-19, advancing social and economic equity for underserved communities, i.e. crack pipes, Mm -hmm. tackling climate change and building a modern, sustainable economy, i.e. death of the free market, we need a vibrant labor movement. Mm. So that's good. That's good. Now, um, you know, there are reports out there that saying doing this would increase the infrastructure projects that the that the White House is working on from anywhere from 12 to 20 percent. But who cares? We can print more. OK, what do you care about money or people? People, says Joe Biden. You're probably one of those haters that don't think we should be handing out free crack pipes. Right. Am I right? Am I right? You're darn right. I'm right. Hmm. This is him. This is Lunch Bucket Joe, though, connecting to the people. This is Can he's I ask on you? top of it, of all of the concerns. I mean, when you look at the polls, the number one concern is always crack pipes yeah. for underserved so, communities. You know how we always, always say the president shouldn't read polls? Hmm. Yeah. I think we got that. I think we have a president. We, we got somebody we have who did one. It. <laughs> yeah, does wow. not read the polls. Or he reads them upside down. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that. Could be that. Yeah, and has no advisors mm. uh, that are really in touch with the American people at all. Mm-mm. You know, he wants it to look more. You know, like Supreme Court. I want it to look more like America. Well, handing out crack pipes, union jobs, you know, and needles. I don't think gets us there. No, I, don't, I no, I don't. I don't. You know what he should do is he should appoint the first crack-smoking Supreme Court justice. Because he apparently thinks that it's in the inner city. Mm. So maybe you'd get, you know, a black person as well, which he's really in favor of. He's already of. said he's going to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're smoking crack. You could get white or black. But if he does it in the, what did he say? underserved communities i think that's what he's saying because it's racial equity Hmm. so maybe he can get somebody from that underserved community that's smoking crack that's also qualified but nobody pays (laughs) attention to for supreme court you're really threading a needle with uh don't say wrong wrong, really wrong word (laughs) (laughs) this is the best of the glenn beck program and we really want to thank you for listening It's the new year, and you know what that means, New Year's resolutions. But if your resolution is like mine this year to eat a little healthier, make sure that you include Built Bars in that plan. Ever since the first time I tried a Built Bar, I've been a huge fan. I hate protein bars and all of that stuff because it usually tastes like it comes from a chemical factory. But Built Bars have changed all of that. Most Built Bars have about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They're also made with 100% real chocolate, amazing flavors that you're going to really love. So get rid of all the snacks that taste good that aren't friendly to your waistline. Even if you're not big on working out, 
which I'm also not a fan of. You can at least be eating something that tastes good, but is also really pretty good for you as well. It's Built.com. Built.com, promo code BEC15. Get 15% off your order right now. BEC15, 15% off, Built.com. So one of the best investigative reporters in the country, if not the best, uh, and the one is still doing her job. I mean, there used to be some other good ones, but now nobody's doing it anymore. Cheryl Atkinson, she is an investigative reporter. She is the host of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson uh, and the author of The Smear. Welcome to the program, Cheryl. How are you? I'm great. It's good to be here. So, Cheryl, I, I've been thinking about you ever since this uh, thing with Joe Rogan started because you literally wrote the book on uh, how this how this happens. And I'm watching this unfold and and it's bringing back some uh, very vivid memories. It's wave after wave after wave. It started with, you know, he's giving misinformation, giving misinformation about COVID. And then it was, he's a racist. And now it's, he's a transphobe. How does this end? You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's by the playbook. In my book, The Smear, where I dissected what was done to you, what was done to Don Imus. Actually, I would say the Joe Rogan plan looks almost exactly like what media matters and the left propagandists there and the interest behind them, what they did to Don Imus, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's when they find an enemy of whatever they're advocating or their money interests don't want discussed or exposed, they find other reasons to smear the person and try to remove them. And I, I talked about, well, what's the difference between a smear and just telling the truth because Joe Rogan acknowledges he said some objectionable things that are very hard to hear today. Well, I described that in the smear and there is, there is a line that that explains this. These people, when this happens are targeted, not because of the information and views that they're being smeared for, but because of the other influence they have over issues that aren't even being talked about now, which is, the COVID, you know, putting out factual information that some didn't want heard. And I think Rogan was clearly targeted because he had large followings that showed ordinary people not fringe or alone when they're thinking of certain thoughts and views or reading certain scientific studies. So do you think it really is just that? Or is it they can't tolerate someone who won't bow to them? They got to take them out. Well, yes, they do, but only because he's not on the right side of the money interests that mm-hmm. people may not understand are behind these efforts that look like they're sort of grassroots efforts, but they're very well organized. You and I know Media Matters and other groups, once they targeted Rogan, started combing through every word he ever said over time and had probably already been gathering on him. They listened to every everything you say, everything I say, everything we write, hoping to find that one little grain they could amplify into a smear for the power of destruction to get rid of voices that are off the narrative on these topics that their money interests care about. So when they did this to me or my good friend, Don Imus, uh, God rest his soul. Um, the, uh, I forgot he's, he's not in heaven. Anyway, um, <laughs> when they did it to us, it was new to the American people. Um, and they, you know, you'd be like, no, these people are financing this. And a lot of people are like, yeah, right. Um, and it was kind of a conspiracy theory. Now, 
everyone knows. Everyone knows. They've seen it over and over and over again, and they're sick of it. How does this just does he how do you think this ends? Well, I think that's a great question. You know, I I think Trump was the one who didn't crack when this stuff happened to him. Everybody else, there's some pressure to apologize to crack. Once that little bit of weakness is there, as I wrote about, it's not as though the apology is there and then they go away, meaning the propagandists. That's when they really sink their teeth in because they sense weakness and opportunity. And their goal isn't really to get an apology. Their goal is to destroy the person who's harmful to their interests. Mm -hmm. So they keep going. How this ends, I'm not sure, because I think you, you raise a good point. Have they gone too far? People now recognize this. When they're going after, I, I use the example, when everybody's anti-vaccine and people know they're not, but when they're all called that, when everybody's called racist and people know they're not, and when Joe Rogan, who's not a radical conservative or giving misinformation and his listeners know that, when he's accused of that, it starts making people go, aha. Uh-huh. So they think something's going on and it's less effective. Maybe they've overplayed their hand by broadening the net of the people that they attack and getting more and more bold. But I think that's a sign on their part of the propagandists of desperation because people like Joe Rogan are very effective in piercing the narratives, often the false narratives that they have, you know, they make sure is all over the media. I've been saying this for, I don't know, last couple of months. I've had increased hope that things are going to turn because people seem to be waking up and not not just the ones that were maybe asleep or, you know, weren't active on, you know, the more conservative side of the spectrum. But Democrats, not leftists, but Democrats, Democrats are starting to say, you know, I don't want any of this stuff. I, I, this this is ridiculous. And I sense that there is a change in our society because everything's accelerating so rapidly that it's easy to see now. And I think, yes, they again, have they overplayed their hand several years ago? And I, I liken it to everybody says the pendulum swings. Well, the organized efforts and the well-funded efforts, they've dominated since about the 2016 time period in a big way. But I don't think they're the majority. And the majority of people who feel differently, they're not organized and well-funded. So it takes a little longer. It kind of simmers. But I think it's simmered enough and enough important things have happened and enough people have been attacked that maybe you're correct. That it's starting to maybe swing the other way or enough people want to do something about it that's reaching critical mass. And what stops these people, Cheryl? I always say the truth finds a way to be told. So ultimately the facts come out. You hear, I thought it was kind of funny, I heard today some of these states are lifting mask mandates and people were speculating, well, maybe the, you know, they're looking at science. And no, it's, it's the fact that I think the vaccine mandate cultists have all gotten COVID now, so they're suddenly starting to say we should recognize natural immunity. I mean, ultimately, the truth is the truth, and it may take longer to get out in the, in the sea of these, this disinformation, but I think ultimately it does. And you find that people can find facts and good information as much as others try to hide it from them. It may not be easy, but people naturally seek it. So I think that's that's how it ends. I, I The best advice I give, Glenn, that I, I think some people have actually taken, every time someone says, 
you know, online or trying to there, but you shouldn't see, hear, or read something. That should make you go mm-hmm. look at it, listen to it, or read it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you defeat the cancel and the propagandists. When you say, when you're censoring something, that means it's important. doesn't mean it's necessarily true, but it might be true. And you should go investigate it. And that pretty much makes their strategy or tactic moot. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's exactly what's, what's happening, too, is they are so freaked out. Uh, because they're becoming reckless um, and so overt. Um, and, you know, this this thing from CNN, uh, I mean, just on the bandwagon, uh, beating the drum and tooting the horn about how these people need to be canceled is crazy, is crazy. Well, as I wrote about, the most effective propaganda campaigns and smears are the ones that are invisible to the public that you don't see the hand behind them you're Mm -hmm. influenced in a subtle way but you're right this has gotten so obvious i think in the face of desperation on the part of the interest that really want to sway us you know to look a different to a different place i think it's it's gotten to be where people are looking at it like you say democrats republicans independents whoever you are and starting to go what's harmful the propagandists is they're starting to say beyond covid and beyond joe rogan what else have they done this with that I just didn't think about? Right. And I think back to the vaccine autism issue. You know, there's been scientific studies, lawsuits and settlements, admissions by the government and their own experts that vaccines can cause autism for years. But that's just considered, you know, over and over again, debunked, debunked, debunked. Think of what they've done to these parents, some of the same public health agencies for decades, portraying them as crazy while behind the scenes settling and paying lawsuits and knowing that their own experts felt differently. So you start to apply, what else does this, what else does this apply to what we're seeing today? How damaged is the, I mean, I think the media is just imploding. Um, And unfortunately the government uh, credibility has imploded. um, And now science and medicine is imploding. Um, I mean, that, that, that's not a recipe for a healthy country in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's not, and step one is to recognize that, but I don't know how you get back to a place where those influences aren't still at play. You know, they're there. They're accomplishing their goal. In some instances, if they simply confuse the situation, let's say there is medical information that a company doesn't want you to have about their medicine. Well, if they simply confuse it and you don't know what to believe, that's better than you believing the truth. And we're in this confused environment where everybody's putting out all the conflicting information. And so, yes, people know to be skeptical. They're starting to understand all of that. But that's not necessarily a healthy situation either. Mm-mm. And, you know, I'm going to be reporting stories that discuss in the near future. I mean, the CDC need to be, and I don't think it will be, but does it need to be blown up and restarted? Very few people have the kind of faith in CDC that they used to. Right. And, you know, to have the biggest pandemic challenge that they've supposedly gotten trillions of dollars to prepare for over the decades and so utterly fail and make so many bad decisions at every turn. I mean, what is that agency all about? And, you know, I still look at the fact that of all the things we know that has gone that have gone wrong, the same people are still in charge. They haven't even made it. I'm no. not saying punish and imprison right. these 
experts that were wrong. Someone else can decide all of that stuff. But these people are so wrong, and we're still listening to them. I mean, that's just stunning to me. And it's it's like that in almost every department. I mean, I've said to President Trump in a in an interview recently, if you're going to run again, you're going to have to clean house. I mean, everywhere, top to bottom, and you're going to need the the uh, the House and the Senate to go along with you. And I don't know if anybody is interested in actually cleaning out the swamp, but every single agency is is kind of like the CDC, where okay, some good people in there, but there's also some really bad people, some uh, people that are uh, misreading, and other people that have their own agenda. Well, this steers into an expanded topic, but you know, in four eight four to eight years. No one can clean all that out. This operates independently of the president, this mechanism you're talking about. The, I call it persistent bureaucracy. And they fight back with either just not implementing what the mm-hmm. president wants if it's not what they want, or they launch lawsuits and subterfuge. And they can, they can carry that on for a long time till the next person comes in. So I don't know how even if you clean house, you get, you get something done in, in a meaningful way. I think Trump came the closest to it. Yeah, I do despite too. Despite the fact that he was fought at every step, but he did do some things like reducing regulation. And after the lawsuits ended, finally starting to accomplish what he wanted with the wall. I mean, it's amazing he got anything done. Those are big changes in the bureaucracy like this. I, I would be very interested to see his approach if he were to get reelected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cheryl, thank you so much. I know you're really busy, uh, but thanks for coming by. I, I've been thinking about you recently and, you were one of the people that had been targeted and uh, then, you know, you're, you have no place here on network television. So you went out and you did your own thing and it's wildly successful. Uh, and uh, now m- many of us feel like we're going to be chased off of our own platforms, which is bizarre, just bizarre. We got to turn this around soon. Well, thanks for having me anytime for you. You got it. Thanks, Cheryl Atkinson. She is the investigative reporter and the host of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson. She's also the author of The Smear, which if you want to understand what's happening, this really is the go-to book. This explains it in great detail. She took about a year, year and a half to research all of the facts on all of the big smears. Uh, And she explains, and you will understand, and you'll be able to watch the pattern. I mean, that's that's what, you know, she was saying, and I was too, it's just wave after wave. It comes and they do the same thing over and over again. And when is America going to say, shut up, just shut up. You don't like it. Don't listen. And I'm not listening to you because this is all. What did Nancy Pelosi call it? AstroTurf. <laughs> this is all AstroTurf. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Reset is now out in audiobook. You can get it from Audible or Amazon right now. Look for it, Glenn Beck, The Great Reset, read by me. Man, I bet it's good. I don't know. I wasn't there when I recorded it. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, uh, who is joining us now. One of the few senators that is actually involved and paying attention to the the big board the the restaurant in the district of columbia that for some reason is being singled out 
and they've shut them down. Senator, welcome to the program. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. So what is happening in D.C.? You, you have the mayor making a, a rule, hasn't even gone through city council, and they're not shutting down restaurants that aren't checking, but these guys said, we're not going to check because it's, it's not really even a law. And they have come at them with a bag of bricks every day. Yeah, within within hours of expressing dissent, they went after the owner. They took the their alcohol license away within 24 hours, and 24 hours later, they padlocked the building. I mean, this is the kind of world we're living in now. These people are out of control. I mean, there was a poll the other day that said about 50% of Democrats are willing to put you indefinitely in detention to basically put you in jail if you're not vaccinated. I mean, this is this is a completely insane, and we now have a vaccine that I still think protects you from getting sick, but it doesn't protect you from transmitting it or receiving the the illness. So it's really of nobody's concern other than your own. If you want to get vaccinated, do. I think it's still advisable, particularly in certain age groups and certain uh, people who are overweight. But you make that decision. It should be nothing about you trying to force it on other people. I have to tell you, thank you for signing uh, the uh, pledge to not agree to any spending tomorrow if it inc- if it involves mandates. I don't know what every single Republican, if they don't sign that, they should they should honestly, you should take a hard look at those Republicans that won't sign this. What what is your possible reason? And if they don't give you a good reason, don't 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 reelect them. Yeah, and there is a shift going on, though, because you're even seeing Democrat governors saying, gosh, we're going to live like this forever. So I think now is the time to be vocal and to push back, particularly on masking on our kids. We need to push back on the masking on airlines. There's no evidence that uh, the masks are working at all. You want evidence that the masks on the airlines don't work? You saw that plane that uh, went with the, uh, I think, mostly Mormon missionaries back to the Pacific Island. Everybody tested negative before they got on the plane. 42 out of 54 had the disease when they landed. And I'm not faulting wow. anybody. I'm chuckling because they were all masked for 12 hours on that plane, and yet everybody on that plane got COVID. Now, fortunately, I don't know that any of them are actually sick, which is sort of another question we have to say. Are we going to continue to have all these mitigation, mask, and separation that don't work for something that is largely not making people very sick? Let me ask you, uh, let me switch topics to Ukraine. It feels as though, unlike anything I've ever felt, that our government, our administration, is kind of pushing for a war in Ukraine with Russia. Am I? Is it just me? You know, you feel it among the members of Congress up here, too. And many of them are sort of from the Never Trump camp, the Liz Cheney's and the Adam Kinzinger's. These are the people who think war should be the first resort, not the last resort. And there are ways to have a more nuanced position. I think we should do things to try to deter Russia from invading Ukraine. And I think there's both carrot and stick that could be put forward. I actually would be stronger than saying, oh, we'll put a few sanctions. I would work with Germany and say, look, this is what Biden tried to do yesterday, but Germany hasn't been as forthcoming, is to say, if you invade Ukraine, we're not going to buy your natural gas. I mean, in a big way, not just sanction it. But it really requires Germany's cooperation because we just don't buy that much natural gas from 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 Russia. We don't have that much trade at all with Russia. So I think that would be on the deterrent front. But on the other side of this, I actually don't think it's that unreasonable to say that 
um, we're not going to put Ukraine in a military alliance against Russia. I asked the Secretary of State this the other day, I said, how, would, how do you think we would respond if Mexico were joining a military alliance with Russia? <laughs> you know, what, what do you think we might do? We might mass troops on the border with Mexico. We would be so unhappy. We wouldn't tolerate it for a moment. I mean, this was somewhat of the Cuban Missile Crisis. We didn't mm-hmm. tolerate them putting missiles on a, on a nation close to us. We wouldn't tolerate a military alliance. So we have to understand that that's their perspective as well. So I would do carrot and stick. I would tell them, look, we're going to have a, a veritable uh, embargo if you invade, but we also will offer the, the carrot of saying, you know what, maybe Ukraine would be better as a neutral country with one foot in the east and one in the west. And actually, I think it would be better for Ukraine to try to see the model of Switzerland being more their model than uh, the model of becoming a, a you know a military presence with NATO. Um, the 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 idea that um, we are living under uh, a regime, and I don't think I've ever used that word before uh, for America, uh, living under a regime that is it, it's almost as if they're rooting against us in every possible way. Uh, the things that they did uh, this this weekend and the twenty five billion dollars, you know, that they unfroze and gave to Iran. The, it's 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 a group of people that are completely out of step with the American people. Well, it's also a group of people that I mean, to, to know how bizarre and far out these people are. These are people that think Thanksgiving is a terrible holiday. I mean, these are the people who think America is a terrible place and we shouldn't be celebrating Thanksgiving because everything America did was horrible and everything Americans did were horrible. And I I think that this is just a a bizarre sort of world we are in. I mean, these are the people who think that we are in the wrong by saying that the government schools should not medicate our children and shouldn't be giving our our girls testosterone at the age of 13 without our permission. This is a bizarre world, but... They're also, it's going to come home to roost because as people understand and know how far out Democrats are, defund the police, give our kids sex hormones without our permission, give them even surgery, sex change surgery or sexual appearance change surgery without our permission. I think they're going to paint themselves so far out on a limb and it's happened like in Kentucky. We used to be a majority Democrat registration state. We've now switched. Uh, Good church going Democrat families are like, Heck no, I'm not for the government giving my kids sex hormones at school without my permission. These people are so bizarre that I think they're losing America. And hopefully the next election will show that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about SCOTUS and what's happening there. You know, I think the one thing that I'm going to say over and over again, and I told the media yesterday as I came up to them, is that uh, the one thing we will not do is we will not treat their nominee the way they treated Kavanaugh. I think what they did was reprehensible, was despicable, and we will show in contrast that we can have a debate over someone's qualifications. And, uh, you know, I'm not voting for somebody who's for abortion up to the time of birth. I'm not voting for somebody who has no concerns for the Constitution. But I'm also not going to stand up and make up stuff about their high school dating or saying they were rapists in high school, that kind of. That was so insulting and so demeaning, and the, the Democrats should be reminded at every step. We should also show the American public that we can disagree with someone on principled nature and, and maybe even vote against that person, but without making it a, a personal slander. 
So that I, I agree with that. I, I don't want to be I do not want to become everything that, um, you know, that that we despise uh, on the other side. So I'm glad to hear that. <clears throat> and I agree with you. However, there's a debate going on right now, especially with Spotify <clears throat> and Joe Rogan about apologizing. And I think there's a place for apologizing. Uh, there's a place to be, you know, um, decent. But but that doesn't mean that you uh, surrender. <clears throat> you know, it's not that, you know, you, you have to fight a good fight and a fair fight. <clears throat> but I, I people look at apologies or or, you know, being more statesmanlike. They're starting to look at that as a sign of weakness. I don't think it is. Well, I, I am tired of all the sort of mal kind of apologies where you read your statement, you look like you've been tortured all night long, and you read it, and then you say stuff that, you know, like, you know, they make people apologize all the time for saying, oh, I'm sorry for being transphobic, you know, I'm sorry for this. You know, they call me transphobic. What adults do is not my concern. If you want to do that, do it. My concern is about the law and about mm-hmm. kids and about consent and, uh but the thing is, is I'm not going out and, and making some Mao-esque apology. But it doesn't mean we have to be uh, rancorous as far as, you know, personally attacking people. And, I, and frankly, I don't think we do that. But, uh, you know, we're going to see what happens as this thing moves forward. But, uh, you know, I, for one, on, on the Spotify thing and on this, um, I'm, I'm, I guess, confused that people who went to Woodstock and didn't want to have any rules or clothes, right? Uh, somehow now they believe that speech is dangerous and they want to shut down people they disagree with. It, it's sort of the most infantile, juvenile um, proposition, and I don't get how they can't uh, understand the irony I know. of people who are free spirits now being against speech. I know. Um, you ran for president once before. Any thought of running for president? America is starting to look like she's shifting back to a small government. Hey, let's follow the rule book kind of thing. Uh, Any thought about running for president again? You know, sometimes until uh, my wife says, why in the world would you want to do that again? But uh, (laughs) You know, I I think so much of it depends on, um, you know, if there were a free for all, you know, with an open, open race, that's one thing. If Donald Trump runs again, I I just don't know that uh, there'll be uh, anybody that will be able to compete with Donald Trump in a primary. And so I think it depends on what what happens over time. Right now, I'm mostly concentrating. You know, I'm running for re-election in Kentucky, and so I'm up in November and concentrating on that battle. How's it going? I would assume it's going well. I think pretty good. What we're finding in Kentucky is that, like I say, the Democrat Party has left conservative Democrats. You know, my in-laws were conservative Democrats, you know, Mm -hmm. church-going, God-fearing, conservative Democrats. But they saw the party leave them, and that's what's happened to so many. I mean, we've had party officials now switch parties. We have people changing registration. And so we're now on even footing. And the Democrat areas that were Democrat going back to the time of Andrew Jackson have actually switched and become Republican. So we're in a better place there. Um, We have a few cities uh, that vote Democrat, but they're not as dominating as like, you know, Atlanta sort of dominates the population of Georgia now. They're probably equal to the rest of the state. And so it's it's becoming more hard when we don't do as well in the cities. Fortunately, in Kentucky, we um, have a, a significant, strong rural population that's mm-hmm. able to more than counterbalance the uh, city vote. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul, thank you so much, Senator. I appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. Uh, we are better off having him in the Senate, Kentucky.
you better you better reelect him <laughs> interesting answer on the uh on the presidential yeah thing. That, it seems like you know no trump and he seems like he'd be he's be, i think be there's a lot of people yeah. that would say that yeah if trump's running i'm out right if he's because, you know if if he's, he's gonna not, you're gonna start with a 50 point deficit and no one wants to do that yeah yeah but, and you'll be he'll find something about <laughs> you and you'll forever be labeled that i mean he's good at that yeah he's yes, very yes. good at that na, 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 na.